I want to share a message that God has placed on my heart for today entitled Delayed But Not Denied. Delayed But Not Denied. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt that God has spoken some promises over your life? Or perhaps you go to scripture and you're able to read what his word says. And it seems to not be parallel with what is taking place in your life. For every woman, for every man, for everyone in this house today. Have you ever spoken, have you ever felt that God has spoken something, but it just doesn't seem to be happening? Has there ever been a disconnect between what God is telling you in your spirit and what you're living out in your daily life? or where you find yourself. I want to highlight some key moments in one of the very first women, whose name is Sarah, and be able to take out some points and apply them to all of our lives here today. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6 says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and it said, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars and then God knowing that it was impossible for Abram to do he says if indeed you can count them noting that it was something impossible to do then he said to him so shall your offspring be Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness it's important to note that the promise takes place 25 years. This promise takes place 25 years before the realization would actually happen. And it would be after so many different things had gone on in the life of Abram and Sarah. It was after childbearing age when their bodies were already shut down, past the ability to be able to birth a child. And today's message here is for everyone. Everyone who has ever been in a circumstance or maybe you find yourself in that place today when you can't understand God and impatience threatens to overwhelm you and to take over because how many know that a moment of patience can save us a lifetime of regret? That's, that's good right there. A moment of patience can save you a lifetime of regret. You know what I'm talking about when someone broke up with you at 15 and someone in high school that you desperately wanted to marry, it didn't work out, but you go on Facebook today and you're praising God that it didn't happen. You dodge that bullet and you look at them and say, how do you like me now? There are a lot of things that we would have said, God, I really wish 
things would turn around right now. Because in that moment, that's all you could think of. But we could look back and say, God, I'm sure glad you didn't answer it the way I wanted. In that moment, we were fussing at God. In that moment, we wanted that. And it's something to note is that this impatience thing in our lives, it can hurt. So when you feel overwhelmed and when you feel threatened to be overtaken by impatience, can I tell you, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution because we can learn from Sarah what takes place when we do that, when we take matters into our own hands. So I want to share with you three things quickly that, that stood out in the life of Sarah that we should learn from here today. The first is trust God even if it takes a long time. Trust God even if it takes a long time because, can I tell you, it probably will. It probably will because God's definition of quick and your definition and my definition of quick aren't the same. God is notoriously slow in our understanding of slowness. I heard a story of a man, and you may have heard it, who said, God, what's a million years like to you? And he said, it, it's like a second. God, what, what's, a, what's a million dollars like to you? God said, it's, it's like a penny. And the man said, God, can I have one of those pennies? And, and God said, yeah, just give me a second. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. This is what Genesis 16 says. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram takes her up on her offer, and through this, Ishmael is born, who to this day is the father of the Arab nations. And if you know history, you know that there's still conflict in between those two groups to this very day, because our own solutions can leave us, can leave us with problems for years to come. Our own solutions can leave us with problems for years to come. Sometimes it takes a while, but we ought to trust God anyway. Sometimes it takes a while, but if he said it, he is faithful to perform it. The second thing is that we ought to trust God even if it doesn't make sense. Man's wisdom is foolishness before God. And we have to be uncomfortable with the absurd because sometimes God doesn't always make sense to us. Genesis 18, 10 through 14, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah will, was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. It wasn't this funny type of laugh. No, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? While everybody else says three strikes, you're out. God says three strikes and you're in. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? And watch what the next verse says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Can I just stop and tell you that whatever you're facing deep down on the inside is not too hard for him? Can I tell you that what is going on, the battle that is going on in your mind is not too hard for him? Can I tell you that the strife that you have at home, the conflict that you have at home with your spouse is not too hard for him? Can I tell you that your rebellious child is not too hard for him? Can I tell you that your diagnosis, your health diagnosis is not too hard for him? Can I tell you that your finances that seem to be in ruins is not too hard for him? Can I tell you that he is a God that can do anything? He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. He is alpha and he is omega. He is beginning. He is the end. There is nothing too hard for him. So you ought to be encouraged that whatever you're facing here today, God can take care of it. Now I do want to say it doesn't always look the way we want it to look, but God is able. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So we ought to trust God even if it doesn't make sense. And the third thing is this, that we ought to trust God even if those around you don't. Even if those around you don't. In the world that we live in, with the overabundance of voices that are speaking into our lives, blogs, commentaries, the radio, social media, the voices in our head can make us doubt truth. And can make us doubt God's word. Sarah, you can't have a baby at 90. It is impossible. But for God, there is nothing impossible. Genesis 21 says this. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. It doesn't matter if it takes time. It doesn't matter if it takes years. Sometimes it takes 25 years. But if God said it, he's going to do it. Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now look and see what God has done in my life today. God knew exactly what he was doing. Abraham didn't, Sarah didn't, but God knew Sarah's surrogate solution was a poor substitute for God's promise. And can I tell all of us in this place, let's not go there to try to take matters into our own hand. Can we trust him at all times? And while Sarah spends most of her life doubting God, if we jump to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, what is known as the hall of faith, look what Hebrews 11, 11 says, and by faith, even Sarah. Isn't that something? Even Sarah, even her who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. Can I tell you, she spent most of her life doubting God and questioning God, but look where she ends up. It doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. You may have doubted God up until today. Things may have been stacked up against you up until today. You may have gone through trial and conflict and, and challenge uh, right after right after left. Uh, every single thing that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. Uh, and you have doubted God through it all. But can I tell you that today things can change uh, for you? 
And it doesn't matter if you've doubted him up until this moment that he can do a work in your life. If we just trust and believe and wait on him and he will come through. So we ought to believe God's promises. We ought to believe God's promises. We ought to believe God's promises. So when I look at the life of Sarah and when I see what she went through, there's a few things that I can take and and make practical in our lives. The first is this, don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. We struggle with this as a, as a society, as a world. We struggle with this because we live in a microwave, in an instant society where everything is, is given to us in a timely manner, in our opinion. But his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are above our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are above our ways. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine says this, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. But as some understand slowness, no, and said he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. And the question comes up, what do I do in the meantime What do I do in the meantime because I feel like there is a promise over my life, but yet what I'm living is complete opposite of what I am believing God for. So what do I do in the meantime? Because that's where we get stuck at. Most of the time. And that, and can I tell you, that's where a lot of people get discouraged. And that's where a lot of people give up and throw in the towel and say, maybe this thing isn't for me. Because of the meantime. What do I do in the meantime? Because it's painful sometimes. What do I do in the meantime? Because I'm, I'm here today trying to make progress and trying to go forward and trying to do something that I've never done before. But I'm stuck in the middle of the promise. And sometimes, can I just be honest that sometimes it feels like it's life is going in the opposite direction. And and things are just chaotic more and more each day. But I want to share a powerful truth with you today that if we can take and apply to our lives, it will change the very being of who we are. The secret of patience is doing something else. In the meantime, what does that mean? Look at Psalms 37, 7 with me. Be still. Be still in the presence of the Lord. And wait patiently for him to act. I just want to focus on that first sentence. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. You're able to do, on that first sentence, you're able to do what's on the right side of the comma and wait patiently for him to act when you can do 
what's on the left side of that column. When we learn to embrace this truth that being still in the presence of the Lord allows us, enables us, gives us the ability to be able to wait and just say, God, I don't know how, but I know you're going to do it. God, I don't know when, but I know you're going to do it. I, I believe that the restoration can take place. I believe when we can just slow down in this quick and instantaneous world and be able to be still in his presence. Be still is a hard thing to do in a world that is constantly going, in a world that is constantly moving and progressing. It's, it's hard for me to slow down. Don't you know what I got to do in a day? Be still. Can I tell you that if you take this and we, we apply it to our lives, can we slow down in his presence? What does this look like for you? Try it. Maybe it's 10 minutes a day that you start off with, that you would stop everything in your life, that you would shut everything down, and that you would go into a quiet place, maybe your closet, and turn on some worship music. And let the very nature of God be glorified through that song. That, that as you are there, that you would just be still and just worship and be still in his presence. Because what we can do in this moment, what, what being still in his presence does is that it turns off the beast of impatience that is ravaging on on the inside. It will calm this. The presence of God will bring a stillness to you. It will slow you down and you'll be able to say, it is well with my soul. It will slow you down and you'll be able to say, God, you know all things. And I'm going to trust you through it. That, that we could say like Job, that even though he slays me, yet will I trust him. That, that we could be in this moment and know that he is still a way maker and he's still a promise keeper. That, that I would just turn everything off in this world that the kids would be off to bed and that my wife would be doing her what she needs to take care of and that I could just calm myself down and, and that while I'm dealing with impatience and saying, God, why isn't it coming together as fast as I want? That I would just go to his presence and that I could be Still, and that I could just worship him and that I could just glorify him and that I could just lift him up on my own when nobody sees me in the privacy of my own uh, devotional that I could just be there and that when I am still in that moment uh, then I can wait patiently for him to act uh, notice that it says not if he will wait patiently for him to act he will do it could just go into that quiet place and just say, I'm going to wait on you. I've tasted your goodness. I've trusted your promise. I'm going to wait on you. It doesn't matter if what, what is taking place in my life, if the water's coming down, it doesn't matter if the wind's blowing. God, I'm just going to wait on you. 
I'm going to trust you right now, God. I'm going to shut all the noise down and I'm just going to wait and I'm going to be still in your presence. I am going to know that you are my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? That you are, you are God, the rock on which I stand. You are the firm foundation, God, that I would be still in his presence and watch what it does on the inside. And then watch what the second part of the verse says. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Know that we would be able to shut the exterior voices down. And that we would turn the attention from everything that is going on around us and be able to focus on God. That we would be able to know the the, the people that, that are constantly talking and the people that are just looking for something negative that is taking place. That you could get your, your spiritual remote and just mute them for a bit. That we would turn off the noise. So if your worship And if you'll shut out the voices, you'll see the weight a whole lot different. Second thing is this, that when you must wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. Focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. Because when something is happening to you, you can be assured that God wants to do something in you. God is more interested in our character than our comfort. God is more interested in our character than our comfort. You parents know what I'm talking about. You don't go wake up your lovely child to, for school in the morning, and when they say, I just, can I just sleep today? And you just say, I just want you to be happy. You, you stay right there. You no, know, you say, you better get yourself up out of this bed. You're going to school today. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says this. This is why waiting in the message version, this is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. I love the comparison. We're, we are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, we don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Can I tell you that there's purpose in the pain? There's purpose in the pain that something good will come out of it. I heard one doctor describe childbirth in this way. It just... What was incredible to see it from this perspective. He said, this is the one type of pain. The labor pain is the one type of pain that, that you don't treat. Because if you get a pain in your head, if you get a headache, if you have pain because of arthritis or whatever you're dealing with, you will take some medication to be able to ease that pain and to be able to, to have some pain control management. But labor pain is the one type of pain you, you don't treat. It is the pain, the type of pain that you just have to push through. It's the type of pain that you just have to push through and you just have to keep on going because something good is about to come out of it. But, but how you act when you wait, 
I'm going to draw to a close. How you act when you wait is so important. How I act when I wait, because the truth is that God wants to do something in me and something in each of us. James 1, 2 and 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can I tell you, God is committed to this concept, and we ought to also, that we would consider it pure joy when you face trials of, of many kinds, that, that I may say, I may be going through it, but, but the joy of the Lord Lord is my strength. A lot of us in this place here today may be slowing down this process because of our attitude. Because of our attitude. But what if we just embrace what God is doing and say, God, I'm just going to ride the wave and I'm going to trust you through it. So I want to tell you, don't waste the wait. How we act when we wait. The final thing is this, that even our very best cannot possibly compare to anything, to anything God has in mind. You can think of the very best scenario for your life. Think of it. And can I tell you that his plan is still better than that? Because we can't do it better than him. Isaiah 64 and 4 says this, Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him. God has something better. God has a much better plan for your life than what you have for yourself. I know that for some in this place, it's rough. And and you say, that's not true for me. But it is. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that he works all things together for good for those who love him. For those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. If you love him, if he is the Lord of your life, he's going to work it out for your good. So you're facing turmoil. So you're facing discouragement. So you're facing bitterness and you're facing anxiety. You're facing frustration. You're facing disappointment after disappointment. You're facing loss and a void in your life. You're facing hurt. You're facing deception. You're facing backstabbing. You're facing the uncertainty of what lies before you. Because like Sarah and Abram were at one point, they were stuck in the middle and I don't know if this is going to happen. Everything is stacked up against me. And science says that it is impossible. But it doesn't matter what science says. God has the last word. So you're facing it all today. Can I tell you, 
God has a much better plan for your life than you have for yourself. Don't waste the weight. Don't waste the weight. I want to encourage you today that as we look at our lives, that we would say, God, help me embrace this waiting period so that I could have the very best that you have for me. Today, you may feel delayed, but you're not denied. Today, you may feel denied. Today, you may feel like you'll never take place, but I want to tell you, it's just delayed. It's just delayed that if you could trust him and wait on him and believe on him that he could do an extraordinary work like you've never seen before in the middle of the hurt. He's the God that walks with you through the fire. He's the God that walks with you through the water. He is the God that holds you up with his right hand. He is the God that, that keeps you together. That in the late in the midnight hour, when you feel like all hell is breaking loose and you feel like you can't go anywhere, can I tell you that he is our refuge and he is a quick and present help. But you just got to wait. So, so in the meantime, though they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I've never seen, I love what Isaiah says because the Bible says that, that he restores, that, that he picks up and that he sees us at our worst. And that he, if we wait on him, that he will be there. That, that they shall mount up like on wings, like on eagles, like eagles shall run and they shall not get weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. Can I tell you that it is the waiting that we're struggling with today? But I want to tell you, if we can just leave this place today and say in the middle of it all, in the middle of the promise and the process, I am going to bless your name. I'm going to worship you because the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today. We thank you today that you see us. There's not one person in this house today that you don't see. You see the affliction, you see the confusion, you see the turmoil. You see the questions. God, we will not substitute your promise with our own solutions. But we're going to wait. We're going to trust and we're going to believe that if you said it, you'll perform it. That if you said it, you'll make it good. You will make good on your word. I thank you for everybody that is here today that is going through something that is being encouraged right now through your presence. That comes to lift up and to revitalize and revive and restore and renew and refresh. I thank you today that my situation is not too difficult for you. I thank you that my present need 
is not too much for you. But you see me right where I'm at, God, that you would, that your word would find us. Speak to us, speak to each situation. God, I thank you today for the hope that we have in you. Maybe you're here today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today. And you're like, I don't even know where to begin. I've been trying to, and you say, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to work it out through my own strength and my own power. God's knocking on your heart today. And he says, if you let me in, I'll commit. God loved you so much that he died. He sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. You wouldn't die. So you wouldn't die, but you would have everlasting life. So right now, you may be saying, where do I start? I want to tell you that God sees you in the middle of it. And, and you, he invites you calls you. He says, just let me in. You can bring your burdens to the feet of Jesus. So if today you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life and you've not opened your heart up to him, I want to just pause for a moment and give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision of your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is you and you say, today's the day that I, that I commit myself to Jesus, you don't have to run to the front, you don't have to stand up, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at, I see you. I see you and God sees you. So here at Impact City, we believe in community and that no one should do life alone. So I invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable, for sending your son to die for me. I give you my life. I open my heart. Come in and be the Lord of my life. And let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together? The Bible says that the angels rejoice, God's people rejoice for everyone that accepted him today. I'm going to invite you to stand.